talking about chicken a la king. Mango and garbanzo tabbouleh. Real potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil. Zucchini ziti. Granola fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, the show where I interview amazing humans with amazing minds, but all I care about is what is in their fridge. You hear chewing in the background <laughs> by my guest it's today. Just, I'm so sorry. Who is someone whose work <laughs> I respected immensely way before we became BFFs. And we dated too. Ah! Hot take. <laughs> uh, Barry Weiss is an opinion writer for the New York Times. And before that, she was a book reviewer at the Wall Street Journal. She has become a best-selling author as well. And her bestseller, How to Fight Anti-Semitism, is just a fantastic Light summer read. Take it to the beach, <laughs> pour yourself some rosé, and read about why people hate the Jews so much. Barry Weiss, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Although I am ashamed because we are doing a food podcast, and I should have walked in with some kind of chic snack, and instead I've walked in with McDonald's, which anyone who knows me knows that it's actually my favorite thing in the world. I, I'm. It's a power move because we're also <laughs> going to dinner in an hour. I know. I know. Your appetizer. Um, my appetite is insane right now, and I don't know what's going on. My appetizer is chicken tenders. Can but I, I got you? the four-piece instead of the six-piece, which for me was, like, very restrained. Are you—so it brings up an interesting question. Chicken tenders versus chicken McNuggets. Not a question for me. It is. It it's is a, a tender. But as I like to say, you can get finger-fucked when you are ordering chicken fingers off a menu blindly. Because at McDonald's, I know it's going to be— across the board quality. Okay. If you're at a restaurant though and it's just chicken fingers on the menu, mm. you really don't know what you're going to get. Oh, okay. Like so you're sometimes saying... it could be like, uh, I like it like the more industrial, the more consistent, like crazy yeah. layers of fried breading, mm. that's great. Yeah. If I'm at a fancy place though and there's chicken fingers on the menu, I know it's going to be some like handmade, bullshitty, gluten-free it's not going to deliver in the way Why this is delivering for me. Why are you ordering the chicken fingers at a fancy place? Chicken fingers are my favorite food. Is that true? Is that your yes, go-to? Yes. Well, when my, when, okay, like one very romantic thing that happened to me with regards to chicken fingers is I had been on the road for like many days and I was getting to this hotel in LA and my flight was like five hours delayed. I was getting there at two in the morning and I walked into the room and a few minutes later, they rang the doorbell to the room yeah. and a guy comes in. And he delivered chicken fingers from my girlfriend. And it just said, I love you from Nelly. And it was wow. just chicken fingers. And at that moment, I was like, this is more meaningful to me than most gifts. Because yeah. I felt so seen. Because she's so healthy. So for her gifting me the thing that I really want, which is the fritter which in she, all circumstances. She which she would never. Into. No, not at all. No, wow. no, no. No. You felt seen. You felt heard. I felt so seen. <laughs> Wait, so we're going to go into your fridge before we talk more yes. about your McDonald's-ing because I'm, okay. I'm, no one's ever come into Green Eggs and Dan with McDonald's. It's a power move. Have they it, come in with other foods? It caught me off guard. No, but people usually try to like impress me with their food things. They'll be like, oh, I just went to French Laundry. Not no. Barry Weiss. Oh, hell no. <laughs> I've gone to a lot of the fancy restaurants. Yes. They're fun. They're great. We can talk about them. But like, I'm kind of over the fancy food thing. I also fan, I have uh, I have fine dining fatigue. I like to call it. Well, you I mean you really go to town in a way that most people I know don't. You're but, at the, you're at the far end of the spectrum. But can I tell you something? On my walk over here, I'm I'm slightly hungover from last night. We, yeah. We uh we shot an episode of the new Kevin James sitcom The Crew on Netflix. Plug coming out soon. Uh and uh 
after the after we shoot an episode, we all uh, hang out together and smoke cigars and drink scotch. That's so much fun. It's so much fun. But you know, my little brain wasn't used to all that scotch and cigar, and so I was a little hungover. And I was walking over here, and I was like, I think I need some McDonald's fries. Did you get them? I didn't. And then Why you not? showed up with McDonald's. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I was debating fries or chicken tenders. Okay. But I thought to myself, I think Dan will think that the fries are a little pedestrian and might be more excited by chicken finger. I think that a McDonald's fry is a perfect food. It's perfect. I don't think that there's it's anything. It's the best fry in the world. It's the best fry in the world. I completely, Literally. completely agree. You know, there was a whole thing because it used to be cooked in animal fat. Yes. And then they changed it to the vegetable. It's not as good, but it's still fucking great. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I know, I know Malcolm Gladwell has a whole thing on yes, it. Because my dad's a huge Malcolm it. Gladwell fan. <laughs> yeah, he had an episode <laughs> he on this to podcast. All of it. Um, okay, let's go into your fridge. Okay. You sent me a picture of your fridge. You guys can see the fridge on my Instagram at standupdan. Should I be embarrassed by the state of this? Probably. I am wildly impressed by this fridge. It's very weird. Just because I know that you're not like a, you don't cook a lot. Okay, I actually am a decent cook. I just never have time to cook. Okay. But so as you'll see, Dan, there are some leftovers from our taco night. Yes, you where had a we taco basically night. we had a taco night, which was we threw a dinner party. Yeah. We invited you, Dan. Yeah. And then and you then were the quickly, hired help. <laughs> quickly put me to work. I realize now why I was invited to that. No, you were I invited. Like, oh, you were cool. invited to be the fun part. As always, I was. You're an anchor and a fun person, and like, I, you're you are. I felt I'm like not the court, even buttering you I, up. You know, when you're when, the court gesture. When we hang out with your with your with your socialite friends, I do feel like the court like the court <laughs> gesture. So, I don't have a socialite friend. No, no, but, but like, Elna was also there, who was very fun, and Susie was there. There were three very funny people, and then there were some more serious people yes. that were kind of maybe getting even a little offended by you, which I enjoy immensely. <sighs> it always happens. I have friends whose girlfriends don't want to talk to me because. Oh, I'm that way. Yeah, and it's just like you're. You know what? It's a perfect litmus test. It's like if you're offended by, by if someone's offended by what you're saying, you should probably break up with that person. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. I think that has been on dates. Like when I've gone dates with people, they get offended. It's like okay, no bueno. Yeah, no. You know? Oh, it was so much. It was anyway. Anyway, it was an amazingly successful taco night. Yes, is that a thing of yours? Completely because of you. Do you do a lot of dinner parties? I do a lot of dinner parties. Yeah. Like, I host a lot. Yeah. It used to be that I would have time to cook, and I would do, like, one of the reasons that you'll see in the picture that there's these preserved lemons is that one of my, like, dishes that I know how to do well is a preserved lemon, olive chicken tagine. Ooh, fun. Like a braised chicken yeah. with the fun. Like, you cook it in the tagine. It's great. But these have been left over for a long-ass time. Well, they're preserved, so you yeah. can have them forever. You can. But, That's like, why good. does someone have three things of those? <laughs> because you forgot you had preserved lemons, <laughs> and you went back to the store, exactly. and you were like, oh, do I have them? Yeah. That's why most people have more mustards and ketchups. But with preserved lemons, I've never seen that. It's impressive, though. It's, but your condiments are like are amazing. You, are they? Yeah, you have a lot. First of all, I, I spy pate. Oh You've got a where? jar of pate. Wait, where? In the main fridge, right there. Oh my god! Oh my god! No. I thought it was like baked beans, no, do you and know then what I that focus is? on it's it. Dog food. Oh. Okay, let me explain to you what's going on. <laughs> what's happening? So if you zoom in there, there are two. We just got a dog a month ago. Yes. Obsessed. We're trying out different foods for him. You're giving your dog pate? No. So this is a fancy dog food. This I is believe what people that this think can, elitist New York Times writers. It's a gold. It's literally a You're, gold can of dog food that says <laughs> pate. I think it costs $2.39, maybe $3.19. It's still expensive, but for our dog is small. So that's like three meals. 
They um, market it as pate. That's fascinating. Because I know. Most dog food, I guess most pate is dog food, and most dog food is pate. It's just ground up meat. Yeah. Uh, and he organs. He freaks and out. He, lo- like, he eats it so fast, he vomited once. He loves it so much. Wow. The, the, but I usually, we usually give him like That is kind food. of ironic because the way that they make pate is that they feed the ducks so much that they, they, they almost vomit. It's horrible. And so your dog did that as a, as an homage. <laughs> he does. To the gavage. So it's called the gavage. gavage. I know. When I heard about that once, oh. And then next to that, hidden behind the pate, which yeah. is sitting on a smoked salmon from Zabar's. A, be- a bed of smoked salmon, yeah. Is this this is pretty gross. So I don't know if you've ever had a dog. They're obsessed with hot dogs. Okay. It's like a dog's favorite food. Like mm. if I have a hot dog in a plastic baggie inside my coat, he'll smell it and like go crazy, even if it's that insulated. How often do you have hot dogs in your coats, Barry? <laughs> Lately I do because we're trying to train the dog <laughs> while we walk. Oh, and so okay. next to the pad next to the dog pad day is a plastic bag full of tiny cut up hot dogs that oh I carry around with me. It's disgusting. <laughs> You have great booze in here, by the way. You've got some Brooklyn Lager beers. You've got some. Yes. You got some large format beers, which look really nice. I have some left. I have some. So you, you also have a gourd on the top. I know. Just like okay, hanging so, out. So the gourd and it looks is, like a Macbeth, so, like witch gourd, just like hanging out up top there. So when Nelly's in charge of ordering, when Nelly's in charge of groceries, yeah, we end up with a lot of things like that, like gourds and like. Just very specialized vegetables. And for sh- like the flaxseed, do I even know what a flaxseed is? I've never engaged with a flaxseed. That's no. all. You, you're a chicken Nelly. tender girl. I'm a chicken tender girl. We have some sour cream left over from Taco Night. Yes, Taco Night was very fun. We went, by the way, I just remembered, we went to another crazy dinner party, you and I. We'll get to that in a minute. I, I do want to finish the fridge up first. Okay. Um, but Taco Night, you you also have a lot of things in here that don't have to be in the fridge if you need extra space, by the way. Like what? Like you have <laughs> you have Kahlua that is <laughs> in the in the condiment section. Oh, God. In the door of your so fridge, gross. there's it's butter, <laughs> mayonnaise, and Kahlua. I don't know why I have that. <laughs> <laughs> that is, oh, the one thing I always have is that fig jam. I, really? I usually have at least two things of it because I always forget that I have it. What do you do with the fig jam? That's always for cheese plate, Dan. Oh. I love that stuff. I am I love it. And then I love um, Dinosaur BBQ. It's like one of my favorite restaurants. I really? love it. Oh, it's, in, it's incredible. Dinosaur Barbecue started out in Rochester, I believe, and then they opened an outlet in Harlem, right? That's where, the one that I've Syrac- gone to. Oh, sorry, Syracuse. Thank you, Jeff. Um all of upstate New York is the same to us. So when I when I've had so here's what I'll do when I host a party. So for example, my friend Jenny, we threw her a surprise party okay. a few was years it? ago for her birthday, and I didn't have time. It was oh no, it was, sorry, it was an engagement party for her. These are comedy friends for her and her fiance. Yeah, and we were hosting. I was hosting like this was in my old apartment, like 40, 45 people. I'm like, I'm not going to cook for these people. So I call up Dino BBQ and I get like. Tons of brisket sliders, yes. wings, mac and cheese. Like, oh, that delivers. Delicious. It's delicious. It's the best. I love a brisket slider. Do you? Oh my! Are you kidding me? Like a slow cooked meat. Mm. Oh. Uh, oh. You know, you should get. You can't really get into smoking because you don't have. That's something uh, we have the luxury of that in LA because we have yards and stuff. You can't really have a smoker in New York City. No. Oh, but it's life changing. Next time you're in LA, I will make you a brisket that'll. Oh my god, I would love that. I love brisket. It'll blow your face off. So we went to a dinner party. Wait, should we talk about the drawer or are we moving on? Oh, we can. 
I'm just looking. I'm wondering what's in here. This is. I, I'm telling you. You're this, shocked by how much is in it. I'm shocked by. This is a wonderful fridge. I love the booze to food ratio. <laughs> it's mostly booze. It's a. It's like a fifty-fifty. <laughs> I love that. And thank you. You've got some coronas. Do you think Corona is benefiting from all this coronavirus <laughs> talk? That's actually an, like, should we short Corona? Who owns Corona? I guess it's like quarters. I don't know. One of those. Yeah. I don't know. I, don't I know. think it's probably hurting. And I was at a dinner last night where there was um, a hedge fund person and he was talking about how they're shorting like airlines and travel companies and on the assumption that Corona is going to spread far and wide and it's going to be more than SARS, which scared me. Wow. I know. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a second. Back to Barry Weiss. So you and I went to a uh, a dinner party, though, while we were dating. Do you remember that dinner party we went to at Dan Senor's house? Oh, my God. Fauda. Oh, Yes. I, that was the relevant part. I, w- I was thinking about the spotted pig chef because they had. Oh yes. Wait, this was a this was an awesome dinner party. Like I, you probably go to a lot more of these than I do. No, that but was, it was a great like, one. It was, it's like they're these fun dinner parties that like powerful people throw, where they just like have collections of interesting people that they bring together, and you have like this kind of salon. And it, it was, was like, salon. It was like salons. It was like it was like there was a dude who like plays chess with Kasparov, and it was is like incredible. And there was like the, all the Fauda cast was there. Yeah, the only thing that's relevant for your listeners is that Lior, the star of Fauda, and Avi Zakharov, who writes it with him, also cool. But Lior, who I think is like one of the sexiest men alive, yeah. Um, was there yeah. with his amazing, beautiful wife. All of their beautiful wives were there. But he, I just was completely starstruck. I was freaking out. He, it was very cool. It was, I was very, so very excited. cool. And they hired a chef from yes. the Spotted Pig, which is closed now. Did you know that it closed? I just went there for the first time like three weeks ago. Well, there was a, there was a little bit of Me Too going I, on I know there. that. I know that. And I was actually once in a very lesbianic party in the the controversial room. Oh the yeah, rape room. They call it the rape room. It's funny because I used to, uh, I used to intern there as a in the summer. I was like a a chef intern. Were you me too? I was not me too, but I saw weirdness. Like I just saw weirdness from Mario Vitali. Like he'd be there late night and just be gross. How gross? Just like girls would come by who were fans of his, and he would inevitably grab parts of them. Mm. You know, there was an article that you wrote that was one of my favorites of yours about separating the art from the, um, you know, mm. from the person, from, from the artist. From the criminal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you were talking about, like, well, the museums would be empty if we judged the art based on who painted it and stuff like that. The I feel that way with Batali. I have a I have such a tough time because he was so gross and he did so many gross things, but he was literally the person who got me into... F- becoming a foodie and into food and it's yeah. it's a problematic thing i mean i like i know that he's he's not a part of his restaurants anymore and i love going there i still go to babo once in a while but it's like it's one of those things of he's i don't know i don't know how to think about it but you can just i mean in the same way that you separate i mean i don't know i don't i, I love his restaurants yeah i mean the food that's the thing the food is fantastic uh, I didn't know he I honestly there have been so many huge Me Too stories that I've really followed. Yeah. That uh, the Mario Batali one was kind of a secondary one for me. I don't rem- I don't actually even remember the details of it at this point. It was pretty gross on the scale of, you know, grossness. Oh, I'm certain of it that. It was pretty I, gross. Yeah. I believe that. Um there was the 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 Spotted Pig one is a it, that was that was pretty gross too. Was Ken that Friedman. The, the, yes, I was, was gonna say Yeah, he was he was uh, he was getting he was like asking for gross texts from his employees. Um, 
It's just, man, I love that place. It was like, I lived a block away from it. It was my joint. When I went there, it was really crowded the other night. Yeah, probably because it was closing. Literally like, no, not three weeks. It was like two months ago. Yeah, I think people saw the writing on the wall. Mm. Yeah, it's a sad one. It was good, but it wasn't great. What did you, what did you order? I had the like burger, like their classic thing. Yeah, yeah. So the burger there. Can I tell you what I like? Oh, sorry. Please. No, no. The burger is just a very plain burger. It's a, it's just a, like a beef hockey puck with Rockford cheese on top. Uh, and the bun actually is from Black Cat Bakery, which is fantastic. Oh, like I you love the really bun know of that. Stuff. I made that fucking burger. <laughs> okay, here's what and I. And then the, the shoestring fries. Did you like the shoestring fries? There are two things that I'll say. The shoestring fry. I love a shoestring fry. But these were so thin that they almost hurt to eat. Like mm. it was almost the visual. It, it seemed like a meal built for a picture. It looks like a huge bird's nest almost. Yes, yeah. yes. Which I love. Like look at when it came out, I was like laughing. It was so delightful. But then the actual experience of eating the fry, I was like, eh, this isn't worth the calories. And then the thing that really annoyed me, although they were perfectly lovely, I asked for mayonnaise. Yeah. They did not have mayonnaise in the rest. They, they will not give you mayonnaise. Yeah. That to me is bullshit. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I'm paying you $25, whatever it is, for a burger. Yeah. You're a pub. Yeah. You have mayonnaise. Oh, Better I know they have. have a little aioli. Not they only refuse that, they, to have, bring it. they have homemade mayonnaise that's in the back. They have a bunch of it. They refused to bring it. And then this struck up. See, the thing that was fun. They probably was, fucking hated you. No, they didn't. They you don't didn't, think so? No. Did they know who you were? No. You think I'm more known than I am. No. You, we, we just walked through the... We're, <laughs> we're recording this in the uh, WNYC NPR offices. You were getting stink-eyed. <laughs> no, you weren't getting probably stink-eyed. Probably I was. I'm sure I that know. I was. But I just tried to I think you got recognized it. by one... We There was one uh, one engineer in the hallway who was like, Oh, what are you guys, uh, what are you guys recording? <laughs> this is As a meeting of the sharp, elders of Zion. Sharpening her knife. Um... Well, okay. The thing I did like about that restaurant, first of all, I love the atmosphere. Yeah. It's very, like, I like I oh, like how cozy and wood and all that. But then we struck up a conversation. I was with one of my best friends, Benji, with the table next to us, and they were not happy with their meal. They mm. had ordered, like, the lamb chops or something, and they said it was really bad. And they were not, like, pretentious or Look, snobby. I think that, I think that anytime there's, like, a little bit of, like, there, there, there's two, there's teams and there's people that aren't all in sync, something goes awry. Mm. And I think that that's what's happening there. It's impossible to work there without without addressing the elephant in the room. And I think that it probably mm. weighed on the chefs, you know, whether they thought about it or not. And I think that it probably, I don't th- even think April Bloomfield, who's like the genius who opened that place, is even vested in it anymore. I did not know. You're, you really know about this. I have a food podcast. I know. You should, <laughs> no, be, a, you know. should be a guest No, one but day. I'm so impressed. I always forget <laughs> that like you... You're kind of an expert in this thing. Okay, here's what I mean. You have hobbies that you're really good at. I don't have hobbies. So for me, I'm always astonished when someone like, this is not your profession, talking about food. I mean, I guess now it is part of it. But cooking, right? Like, you've never made a dime from cooking. You just love it. Yeah. I guess, aside from being an intern at this restaurant. No, I, I, I But you know what I free. mean? Yeah. Like, y- y- it's just amazing to me. Like, I I'm mean, always like, when people are like, what are your hobbies? I'm like, I... I don't. I don't have anything. I'm so boring. You are. An, you are. You enjoy food, though. I you, love food. You're very fun to eat with because you're so effusive. <laughs> I know. With your praise. Wait. You're. You're like that with the staff. With that. We. We went to. We went to Soho House in L.A. Oh my God, that was so. And much you were fun. like dancing through the restaurant. <laughs> so like. Well, you, I you like to be joie de vivre. You it's love like, joie de vivre. This is my only vivre. So let me joie it. Yeah. 
Come huh? on. <laughs> the only person who's more joie de vivre than me is Nelly. I think. Really? She's the most. She's, she's, that's why you guys are, you guys are fantastic to eat with together. You're Thank both you. very joie de vivre. We, we love it because yeah. it's like, it's fun. I, and I am your, what, what was the, there was a term you used for me. I'm your third. I'm your, we love I'm you. your straight we, something. I don't know. We both love you. We adore you. I love you too. Thanks. If, if we could have like a, Thank you, Dave. like a, like a, a you throuple. Know, yeah, what is no, it? No, but you, you have mags. I, I said I got, a throuple. I got the mags. You know, mag is gluten-free. Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. It's okay. Is that, that's fake though. No, it's real with her. I thought it was fake too. It's and fake. I, ha- I, I, it's fake. I'm this sorry. is going to make me sound very like a, like an abusive boyfriend, but I had her <laughs> like a controlling abusive boyfriend. I like, which you definitely out, are. Yeah. But this is going to really solidify it. I seeked out a like gastroenterologist that, cause she went to like all these like hippie doctors in LA and she's oh. like, yeah, they just say that I need to, you know, rub sage on my belly. And <laughs> I'm like, no, we're going to a fucking MD. And I fa- I seeked one out. My, I asked my buddy, who's like a gastroenterologist at UCLA. He got me like the specialist. And I was like, Maggie, you got to go to this guy and let's let's get a handle on this because it's just like because she wasn't always gluten free and she she hates it. So she went. She did all the tests and stuff. And they're like, No, no, no. You've got celiac disease. Okay. So I was gonna say, unless you have celiac or you're an Ashkenazi Jew with like colitis and all that stuff, yeah. I do not buy the gluten free thing. It's just another way of saying, I'm a woman who wants to be skinny and look hot and oh, I'm yeah. on a diet. Well, that's a, the 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 fatal flaw of Maggie's gluten freeness is that she is a skinny, beautiful actress. Exactly. So, so when she <laughs> said, when you say she's gluten free, I'm like, no, no. I know. That's just a chicer way of being like, that's, yeah. I'm dieting. I feel bad for her, but I definitely have a it's a it's an issue like i have a tough time with it but i'm i'm, I'm we're trying all to. in mourning for you dan hashtag be your life is so hard <laughs> <laughs> now barry yes you uh you plant your flag on anti-semitism that well, is something at the moment that is something that we're talking about a lot do you think anti-semitism is acceptable when it comes to jewish food because I think I am anti-semitic when it comes to a lot of I jewish will food. say that there so two of my friends are in the business of sort of like reviving Ashkenazi Jewish food and trying to make it cool again. Yeah. Um, they have this company, Gefilteria. They're wonderful. They have a great cookbook. Oh, tell me about it. It's cool. You should have, oh, actually, you should have them on. Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> Yeah, they're this. great. I actually, one of my favorite cuisines is hipsterified old school Jewish food. You mean like, like pastrami? No, yes, but I like it when, like, there's a restaurant in LA uh, that my buddy Elon Hall had, and it was like the first restaurant that was like taking old school Ashkenazi recipes and hipsterifying them. Mm. He had bacon wrapped matzo balls. Oh, I heard about this. such a mind fuck and so beautiful and it was delicious. He had beef, braised beef ribs that he braised in Manischewitz, which is genius because you want like a sugary. Yeah. I mean. That sounds good. It was such a cool restaurant. It was so before its time. But uh, yeah, I think think Jewish food is having a little bit of a, a revival and I love it. Well, I think that like Ross and Dot, like all that stuff, love. But if someone's going to try and convince me that like Kugel is one of like, or Cholent or like great moments in Jewish cuisine, yeah. I'm going to say go to a Persian or Mizrahi family for Shabbat dinner because well, yeah. what you guys do just does not compare. And all that stuff, it's just like, it's just peasant food. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's peasant food could be great, but I don't know. That stuff doesn't number on my stomach, honestly, of all the things that I eat. And well, I pretty much eat everything. What's interesting is that I feel like what Jews have done wherever they've settled is take the local cuisine and Jewify it a little bit. Like in, in Persian cuisine, they're, 
there's differences between Persian Muslim cuisine and Persian Jewish cuisine. Like Persian Muslim you use butter a lot and and we'll use olive oil right. because of the milk and meat thing. We have our version of a matzah ball soup called gondi. Like there's there's very like interesting regional Jewish foods yeah. in Persian cuisine. And it's funny in this world of like in the world of like cultural appropriation and all that, it's very hard for people to pin down like Israeli food because there's so many different cultures there and you can literally just borrow from and I, by the way I think that one place where cultural appropriation fucking kills me is when it comes to food like you're you supposed can't to have borrow. any you're food. supposed to that's the fun thing about it is like you're borrowing from other cultures to to have fun with it like all these like I don't know there were like these stories of these like uh, taco places that like two oh, white girls yeah. in San Fran had a taco place and they got it shut down and they were like cooking amazing food apparently like that shit destroys me because I think food should be the one place where it's like every culture should be able to borrow from any other culture and that's what makes it fun well you just don't even have like that's if you go to the roots of this it's like there wouldn't ever be food without cultural mixing absolutely there wouldn't be anything I was recently now that we're talking about Jewish food I was at um Mike Solomonoff's restaurant, oh, Zahav. Yes, Zahav is probably one of my favorite restaurants in the country. It was country. amazing, and it was so special because it's in Philadelphia, he's a Pittsburgher, and mm-hmm. he FaceTimed in to say hi to me and my parents and our various friends who were there, which was really fun. And Get it was just, out. it was so good. It was such a good. It was an amazing meal. I think Michael Solomonoff is like the best. He's the best ambassador of the Jewish people. I was literally about to say the best ambassador for Jews. Oh he my is. God. Him and Gal Gadot. The same. I could write for the New York Times. <laughs> um, You're a thought leader. I really think You're so. I think I think that he the he's got like five restaurants now, all in Philly. Yes. He's like the king of Philly. But he's got like an Israeli one. He's got an Ashkenazi bakery that mm-hmm. takes like old school like Jew like bak like like uh like Ruggala and, and hipsterifies them. Like the things that he does. And then he's got like a soup kitchen where he like donates the food, the, he's the matzo ball soup that he makes. He's and unbelievable. He's constant, like, and he is and he's doing um I don't remember her name, but a collaboration with this Palestinian chef. They're constantly working together. He's amazing. Yeah. And the restaurant's amazing. And I, I just really like that. for me, a lot of a reason sometimes that I like a restaurant is the energy. Like yes. Like one of my go-to's on the Upper West Side is Cafe Luxembourg, mm. and it's like the food is fine. It's like good it's like bistro an old food. School, very old school, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been there for a long but time. But I just love the atmosphere, and yeah. I love the waiters, and like, like I live above this Greek restaurant, and it's like my cheers. Like I, I'm going in there like three or four times a week, even to just get a glass of wine or schmooze with the people, and that often to me is what makes a restaurant absolutely great. Absolutely, and I think that's part of the reason why the Spotted Pig faltered is because they they lost that vibe to it. Yes. More from Barry in a minute, but first, McDonald's is delicious, but not kosher. Unless you're in Israel, the only country in the world that serves kosher Mickey D's. Along with the obvious adjustments like not serving pork or meat and milk in the same dish, they have some regional dishes that you can only get in the Holy Land, like the kebab, which is a kebab served in a lafa. In fact, most international McDonald's serve a few dishes you can't get in the States. Japan has a filet of shrimp. The Philippines have a chicken McDo, which is spaghetti and fried chicken. And in Spain, they have, no joke, a McGaspacho. Because there's nothing I'd rather have stumbling drunkenly into a McDonald's in Madrid than cold tomato soup. Come on, Spain, make no bueno. Okay, back to Barry. 
All right, we're going to get to some questions okay. that I sent you, and you told me that you didn't look at. I didn't have a minute. So you're going to know, everyone, that these are just total spontaneous they answers. A- they actually truly are. Do you have an uh, earliest food memory? One memory I have that's early is that I grew up, I'm the oldest of four daughters, grew up in Pittsburgh, and my grandparents lived with us for most of my life. First, my grandmother moved in with us. They'd gotten divorced out in California. She moved in with us when I was about eight. Um, and then when my when I was around 12 or 13, my grandfather came just for a visit and never left. So they basically kind of got back together. So it was a very crazy house and a really fun way to grow up mostly. Um, but Saturday night was like my parents' date night. And for us, that meant the same thing every time, which was my grandma would babysit us and we would go to Blockbuster and like walk through the aisles for like minimum 45 minutes, but we would always either walk away with Father the Bride 1, Father the Bride 2, Troop Beverly Hills, or like the First Wives Club. Right. Those were our movies. And then we would go to the Wendy's and we would get drive through And Ooh. that was like, I loved it. What did so you, maybe that's why I like fast food. Do you remember like what nostalgic. you got at the Wendy's? Uh, oft, she always got the chili, which I thought was so weird. weird My flex. grandma, weird flex grandma, she loved it. I would get like the fries and like you know a burger, the, all that shit. Oh, yeah, the best. Yeah, but that's not my earliest. My earliest. My mom's gonna be embarrassed if she hears this. My mom's an amazing cook. Oh yeah. So I don't know, and, and like, yeah, and she made she she never made like Ashkenazi Jewish food, like oh, okay. always like California cuisine kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And an amazing cook. Interesting. And we always had you know Shabbat Friday night dinners forever. I love it. Yeah. Do you have a death row meal? Oh my god! You just committed. You just committed murder. Yeah, I love like a popperdel bolognese Ooh, kind of thing. That's a good one. No one's ever said that before. That love is it. as like, comforting as it gets. Yeah, and then I I love a hot fudge sundae. Ooh, love it. Yeah. Oh, a good one. There's nothing better for me. I don't like ice cream desserts that are. I just like mm. ice cream, but ice cream desserts for some reason I'm not into. Are you kidding? Oh, I love it. Like ice cream pie. I'm like, go fuck yourself. No, not ice cream pie, but yeah. like a hot brownie with like really good French vanilla ice cream and hot fudge. Oof, I take it back. I like. I, think about that. You're freaking out. <laughs> I right take now. it back. I need it right it's incredible. now. Incredible. <laughs> but I also, yeah, yeah, I'd say bolognese or like steak frites. Like yeah. that. Also, like I'm a burger girl. Love yeah. it. What's your favorite burger in New York, by the way? No. Or do you have a favorite that you've ever had? Not that's coming to mind. I've had a lot of burgers. Yeah. What is the best high end meal that you've ever had? How many? Can I have two answers for that? Absolutely. I would say a really special high end meal is that I was dating someone. Hi, Josh Glancy, who's a wonderful writer, British writer, and he got this crazy gig for um, his paper where. He was doing a story on Eleven Madison Park. Okay. And we went there and it was just it was it was so special. I mean, it's all it's spectacle, right? It's like it's like going to Cirque du Soleil. Oh yeah. Um Wow, what number date was this? I don't know. We had been dating for a while. Okay, I was gonna but, say. But but what was special was I walked in, I had just gotten my job at the New York Times, and they had like had they have these dream weaver people that work there. Do you yeah. know about this? Yeah, they they kinda the menu is like it's weird. It's like uh, I think now it's they, even weirder. Yeah, they this take was you through before. like a whole little story, right? It was. This wasn't so. This so basically, they had this calligraphied note that was like congratulations. It was so lovely, and I was being myself. So like we bonded with the waiter. Yeah, we you know. And at some point they took us into the kitchen, which I always love. And then at the end of it, and this was really cool. 
we had been talking to the waiter and he was like, I don't know if you know this, like the rest, the hotel, like the Nomad Hotel, I guess they also do the food there. Maybe yeah. they also own it. And I was like, oh, I've never been to like the library bar there. You know, I've heard it's great. At the end of the meal, someone comes over and they were like, we want to just take you to one more stop. And they walk us to the Nomad Hotel library bar. Like a guy from the restaurant takes us there. And they had set up these tarot cards and they were like, choose your three tarot cards and we'll like make a cocktail based on it. Shut up. And it was just so special. We ended the night at like, this is, okay, so this is what's amazing about British writers. They're always drunk. They're always writing drunk. We ended the night at like three in the morning. We had had a tremendous amount to eat and drink. And he woke up at like three hours later and just like banged out the story. No way. Yeah, which to me is amazing. Wow. I'm always fascinated, but I tried to do that once. I was like, I can be that. I want to be that Hemingway. I want to have scotch and write. And I had my scotch nope. and I started and writing and I was like, I'm tired. Yeah, we're old. That's not. <laughs> yeah. No, they have a special thing. Like Christopher Hitchens famously would like be at the middle of a party, go off for 20 minutes, file column, come back to the party. Another fun high-end <sighs> meal. There's something. See, I kind of like, I was going to say like Blue Hillstone Barnes. Oh, yeah. That's my, that's actually my favorite high-end meal. So I had interview Dan Barber because I was going to profile him. Dan Barber, chef of Blue Hillstone Barnes. Yes. And we totally bonded. And he's like, it was cra- like he like had, I went with a friend. He charged me like for like one glass of wine and it was amazing. It's like a $300 person. Yeah. It was, it was really amazing. Wow. He's wonderful uh, in a mensch. And then, I don't know. Those were two really memorable ones. Yeah. I really liked that. It was basically free. So that was really <laughs> Both of them were free. Maybe that'll, that's why these took out uh-huh. to me. Um, I see a running thread here. Um, I know that a lot of people don't like this, maybe because they think it's too old-fashioned or, like, stuffy, but I really like Daniel a lot. Oh, okay. So Daniel is uh, actually probably the first three-star Michelin restaurant in New York City. Yeah. The chef is Daniel Ballou. And uh, it, I've, I had a... It is very old school. It's very like old Like you school. feel like you're in Louis the Fourteenth like castle, just like having you know a I meal. I kind of love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like it's like if you're gonna go f- see. My thing is this: if I'm gonna be doing something luxurious, yeah. I want it to feel that way. Like I don't want it to feel minimalist. Oh no, yeah, I, you go know? big or go home. Yeah, it's so that's kind of why I like it. And they have really great cocktails too, which I love. That's the first place I ever ate uh, foie gras. I can't eat foie gras. Really? It's too... Why? Ethical schmeckical? Honestly, yeah. It just makes me feel sick. Yeah. Unfortunately. Like, I I grew up also veal. Like, my dad was a vegetarian. Uh And he was just like... He got... He's, you know, kind of peed at me. I think if the duck knew how good its liver was going to (laughs) taste... No, I can't do it. It would be okay. No. (laughs) No, See, this is why you're a monster. Sorry, Max. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you have a favorite low-end meal? I think you brought you walked in I with mean, it. I but also like I lo- I love Shake Shack. I love anything Danny Meyer does. Oh yeah, love it. Wow, I love I love a it. Shake Shack actually. It's delicious. Oh, which reminded me, actually, I wanted to say this because we were talking about the shoestring shoestring yes. fries of the spotted pig that you hated. Yes, I don't fucking like shoestrings fries because they're always more air than fry. Yeah, and I don't get that. I need to bite down on a fry. I need that soft mm, fry. You do. On the inside. You do need that soft fry. Or, or, or I'm going to go home. <laughs> I'm going to go home. That's why you guys got me too, Spotted Fig. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I love a Shake Shack burger. Don't yeah. love their fries. Love their burger. I love that they're in airports now. because it's like great. It's such good airport food. It's perfect. Um, what is your favorite drunk food? Oh, man. P- pizza. Pizza. Yeah. yeah. Pizza. I Same. love pizza. 
What is? Do you have a place? Do you have a joint or just a dollar slice? I love Are a dollar. You a disgusting yeah. dollar oh, slice, girl. I love dollar. Are you kidding? I is that do gross? too. I love that. It's gross, but it's good gross. It's delicious. Yeah, like I was up by Columbia recently, and they had this place that they have slices like the size of your head at this place, Cornets, that was like the place when yeah. I was in college. It's like terrible, but I love it for oh, nostalgic reasons. I had the it. Best. it was so good. Fantastic. First time I ever had Ethiopian food. I also love Thai food. Oh yeah, love. Yeah. Wow. That's probably I'm one of my favorites. Pad CU. Pad CU, though, over Pad Thai for me. You went to Columbia the first time. I went to, like, Columbia Nerd Camp once, which was, like, you go there for, like, a semester uh, or, like, in between. Yeah. Or, like, before college. And I had Ethiopian food there for the first time in my life. That's right. Ethiopian food. It's probably, like, a wash. I, I think so. Yeah. We probably went to the same place. I hated it. I Ethiopian. Okay, I hate it more two, than anything. There's two foods I really don't like. Ethiopian, yeah. hate it. Yeah. Sour. sour. Why do I want sour? Sour sponge bread? No. They're like, have some sour sponge <laughs> bread to, as if, to, to fuck with our mediocre stews that we're giving you. It's horrible. Yo, shots fired, Ethiopia. <laughs> Sorry. Love Ethiopians. Hate Ethiopian food. Because it's like, are they on Trump's new Why would new, I want not? New list like, why of who would can't I want come into this country? Sour, Maybe that's why. Bad, sour, spongy naan. Uh, I love naan. I love Indian food. I, love- I also. I know. See, you suggested this the other night, I, and I'm I'm trying to warm to it. Korean food. I I like Korean barbecue. I don't like sour. Is my problem. Mm. So I don't know. All right. All right. Sorry. No, it's okay. Do you have a Do you have a go to hangover food? I don't get hungover that much. No, I don't drink huh? as much as I used to. Yeah. Yeah, I know you do though. What's your hangover food? <sighs> I mean, first of all, I don't like the tone of that. You're saying it like <laughs> no, I'm an alcoholic. No, I'm just saying you're having fun. <laughs> You're, you just said that with your show, I'm a dork, okay? I'm like waking up super early to get on planes to go speak to Jews. Yeah. You're <laughs> making a show with Kevin James and getting drunk on scotch. So- I think ramen is probably my go-to. Yeah. Do you know my friend thing. wanted to open up a kosher? Oh, Mark Priceman. He was oh, like, I love Mark. How's he, Mark? Mark's doing well. He's like, if I ever open up a uh, kosher ramen place, it's going to be called Everybody Loves Ramen. <laughs> Love that. Do you have a like a favorite celebrity chef personality? It doesn't need to be a chef. Could be a food personality as well. Oh my god! Like a food journalist, or I mean, I think. Wait, aren't you friends with uh, what's his name from the New York Times, the food writer, Frank Bruni? Yeah, the old food writer. Yes, and eating with him, going to a restaurant with him is so much fun. He has gout, doesn't he? He has a book called Born Round that's okay. about his struggles with weight. That's fantastic. Yeah, um, it's really, really good and honest. I love it. Going to restaurants with him is about the most fun thing in the world. Is because, it really? I yeah, bet. because he orders like three, th- four things, but uh-huh. then. All of them know who he is, so they just bring the whole menu. Oh, my God. It's actually crazy. Can I come once? Yeah, of course you can come once. That is so cool. That's really fun. Um, I'd probably be so – I'd be embarrassing, though. I I would, like, totally fangirl out, and he'd be like, you can't bring that guy around anymore. (laughs) He's, like, taking selfies. You got to be cool, Dan. You got to be cool. I got to take, like, furtive selfies, like, under the table. Got to be cool. I had a meal – I'm trying to think of other fun meals I've had. Bill Maher is very restricted about what he eats. Really? Yeah, very restrained. I had a dinner with him and Michael Moore the last time I was on the show. Bill Maher basically has tea for dinner, okay. and Michael Moore and I had a lot of fun. I could see Michael Moore being fun to you. <laughs> we had a, yeah. Although you don't know. It some was burgers, o- Pappardelle. It was like everything you want on the menu. Oh, fantastic. I was going to tell you one story, which you can include or not include. Please. I was at a, this is a, my most memorable restaurant experience. Okay. For work, this was years ago. I happened to be at 
I was at a conference in Baltimore and the hotel, the, like the Bad Marriott where I was supposed to stay was overbooked and they put me in the Four Seasons, which was amazing. It Fantastic. was incredible. We, I had dinner there in the, in the hotel restaurant with like ten, eight or 10 friends. At some point in the meal, and this, is, this happened to me on multiple occasions, things like this, so I don't know if it's good luck. Maybe it's like a pigeon shitting on you. The waiter who is walking over with a tray of cocktails for the entire table, including things with like fluffy egg white stuff in the – like these yeah. are not like – it's not like white wine. No. Spills like- the entire tray, the entire tray on me. Okay. Now a normal – I'm soaking wet. Like I had to go up and change. Oh, uh, no. Because I'm a crazy person, I – was apologizing to the waiter to the point that they didn't even comp us them like in they should have comped us the whole meal. Oh they, my god. They only gave us free dessert. Shut up. Right? Cause and because and, and in retrospect, I was like, why was I I was like, don't worry, it's fine. I'm so sorry. Like it was a total like gendered moment. Oh that my looking god. back, I'm like, that's crazy. Like they didn't even offer to like clean my clothes for me. I was soaking wet. Can I tell you how I handled a similar situation? Yes. Okay. This is the differences between <laughs> us. There's me and you. I was at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel for a charity event. Okay. Waiter, come behind me. He's, he's got a tray full of food, and he, like, angled it off, and, like, a bunch of, like, some sort of broth fell on, like, came onto my Was seat. it hot? Uh, it was hot, but it wasn't hot enough to hurt. Okay. But it just, like, it it, it was not cool. And I was like, I, I, can I, and he was very apologetic and I was like, it's all right, it's all right. I just, can I speak to, you know, some sort of manager or something. Manager comes over <laughs> from the Beverly Wilshire. Oh my God. And she's like, we are so, so sorry. We're going to take care of this. We're going to clean your, you know, we're, we'll play for the dry cleaning and everything. And I was like, okay, yeah, I appreciate it. It's just, um, you know, it's just a little, it's a little disheartening. Cause like now I have to like, I don't, I don't feel like myself staying at this charity event. I've got this stuff on me and stuff. And you know, I got, I got uh, married here and my wife and I, we got married at the Beverly Wilshire and it's like a place. You're that, a sociopath. It's a place where you guys have been always so good to us. And it's just like, man, it's leaving a bad taste in my We're, mouth. Listeners, Dan has never been married. He had one broken off engagement, never married. And so then what goes, happened? She goes, oh my God, Mr. Dude, we're so sorry. Um, let me see what I can do. I'm going to email you. She emails me. She's like, dinner for you and your beautiful wife. Oh. Everything is going to be taken care of at the Beverly Wilshire. Come whenever you want. And so I oh tell Maggie, I'm like, hey, guess what? This uh, was recent? We're married. Yeah, this was like last week. I'm like, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> so we went to the Beverly Wilshire, and we had to pretend we were married. And she's okay. like, so when did you guys get married? I was like, uh, I was like, oh, God, we're, I'm in too deep. We should not have done this. I cannot believe you did that. Yeah, I'm a gross person. Dan. I know. And Maggie was mortified She because I didn't tell her until I, we were there. And it she's was, like a good person. She's a great person. I could tell. Oh, my God. Oh, my uh, God. Maggie? Anyway, that's the difference between me and you. Yes. In that situation. <laughs> oh I'm probably going to take that out because that no, makes no, paints no, me no, in a no, bad no, light. No, no, no. It's really fun. Keep no. it. Okay. And then uh, let's get back to, back to questions before we get... Back to why I'm a sociopath. No, I, I mean, I love you. I love you, but that's a hilarious story. Go ahead. Chomp into your little chicken tender there. Oh, well. As we're about to have a five-course meal after this. <laughs> um, do you have a, a desert island food? Like probably like baguette and butter. Baguette and butter. Probably. Some people take it too literally and they're like, well, uh, I want coconut water because <laughs> yeah. it's got electrolytes. Yeah. I'm like, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to survive I mean, on honestly, a desert island. Honestly, my favorite thing, like when I go to a fancy restaurant, one of the reasons I love Daniel so much is that it's 
the best bread and butter I've ever had in my life. Mm. And when they, I am really disgusted. Like when they come over at a fancy restaurant and they're like, which bread do you want? I'm like, every single one. Yeah. And I want it. 20 times like I <laughs> it's true when they bring the bread thing and they're the choices that they give you it's very hard to choose how do I know what I want between like, a focaccio and a pumpernickel that's a very hard I want fucking a fo- the choice the focaccio the pumpernickel the pretzel roll the yeah. Parker house roll I want it all in one like a oh, turducken oh. of bread that's my favorite thing yeah and like really salty butter my friend Jen who I referenced earlier we call her BYOB bring your own butter because she she's very snobby about the butter she likes. Oh, I love that. She loves Kerrygold. That's one of her faves. Yeah, Kerrygold's good. It's really good. It's good French butter, good oh, Normandy oh, butter. So good. Oh, baby. I love that. <laughs> you know, there's a war on bread in America, so we don't get such great bread and butter. But What's when the you, war on bread? Just like gluten-free mm-hmm. and Atkins and all that. It is the war on bread. So when you do... <laughs> When you do get a really good bread, it's very rare, and you're like, oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. Is there a food that you cannot stand eating? Ethiopian, as oh, previously yeah. discussed. Shots fired, Ethiopia. <laughs> we are Eritreans when it comes to food. Is there anything I don't like? No, um, yeah, Ethiopian, I would say. And then what is your, you got into this a little bit before, but this is my favorite question. But uh, the mayo, you touched on it at the spot of Pygmaean is, what is your restaurant pet peeve? And you can give just, me as many as you want. Just being snobby. Like, it's it's all fun, yeah. right? It's food. Yeah. It's not, like, the idea that it should be serious mm. in any way to me is ridiculous. It's, yeah. it's just food in a restaurant. So when people are, like, s- s- pretension and snobbishness really turns me off. Like, I, yeah. One, and, one, I'm sorry to cut you off, no. but one of the things I love about eating with you is that you cut the legs out from under it. When you go into a fancy restaurant, like, you chum it up with everyone and you kind of give off that vibe of like, I know you guys are putting on an act. You don't have to put it on with me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Like at the 11 Madison Park thing, I think I set up the waiter with a friend. Like, yeah, to me, it's just like we all know this is artifice. Yeah. And for me, for me, I, I can see why for some people like I can I have been in experience where I chum it up and then it's too much. And it's sort of like, OK, we've established that we're having fun. Yeah. But also I want to like be with my date or be with my friends or yeah. whatever. So you, it can go too far. Um, and I would say like being intimidating with a wine. Like, OK, oh, I've yeah. gotten more into wine. I love it. Nellie loves wine. I l- obviously love wine. When people use bullshitty language about wine, that really annoys me. Mm. Like it's just so obviously a fake. Yeah, That's a some, fake thing. It's so funny because I, with the wine, when they're describing the wines, I let myself go. And you do? I see the hillsides with the soil that they're talking about. I love that shit. No, I like the story. So, like, if someone tells me a story, like, yeah. I'll always go for, if they're describing different bottles and they're like, this comes from these, this family or this vineyard who did it. I'm like, great. Like, the story makes it. Yes. Kind of like the atmosphere in a restaurant. Yeah. But when they're saying things to me like, it's got a raspberry <laughs> Tannin. I don't even know how to fake it. It's got a jammy flavor. That a lot of ha- leather notes. Right. I'm like, leather? I love when, it. When did we lick leather? Oh, I... No, that <laughs> it really annoys me. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. A snobbishness is like my one of my number Snobbery one things I really one. don't like. Yeah, in I think... In people and in restaurants. With the wine is where they can really get away with it too. And it, I know. That, it, it is... That's what bothers me when they try... Like when I say... when this, when I This is the way I order wine at a restaurant. I want something red and light and like... On the lower end. And then yeah. like something and they'll be like, What's low end? And I'll be like, I don't know, fifty bucks. And they'll be like, Okay, this one's fantastic. It's and then I see it's eighty bucks. I'm like, go fuck yourself, dude. Because now you're gonna make me <laughs> seem like a cheap piece of shit because I was right. like 
And I, I will always be like, nope, nope, I did not say that. I said 50 bucks. Will you say it like that? Yeah, and I oh, punch God. him in the nuts. <laughs> and when he gets back Adam. up. Dan, that's not good. Wait, which one is Adam? I don't know who Adam is. Who the fuck is Adam? Adam's no one. I don't even know why I just said Adam. Dubs, thank you so much for your time. This, this was, was so, so much fun. fun. Now, where are we going to go eat? This episode of Green Eggs and Dan was produced by Andrew Steven. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music is Beautiful Food by Idan. And interstitial music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Special thanks to WNYC. To see pictures of Barry Weiss's fridge, information about the restaurants mentioned in the episode, and more, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at StandUpDan. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.